Hi there, church family. Good to be with you again today as we do a sermon review. This one's a little different. We're not going to be doing the sermon in the morning because we had a, a guest in the morning and he's not with us, so it's hard to review that way. Uh, but uh, Tim Patterson was here, our executive director of our state convention, and he preached Psalm 1. Uh, but then in the evening service, I preached and preached from Genesis. <laughs> we really looked at Genesis 25 all the way to 32. Uh, looking at the life of Jacob. <clears throat> and so uh, we walked through that. And so I think that's what we'll do today is the sermon that I preached in the the evening uh, long narrative section uh, looking at uh, looking at Jacob. And I, I heard a, I can't remember if I heard a sermon or if it was a podcast or what I was listening to uh, recently, but it brought up Jacob just like nonchalant, just kind of on the side, and just mentioned Jacob and how he was kind of a mess. And I, I remember hearing that and just thinking, oh, yeah, and it just kind of piqued my interest, and I was thinking about uh, Jacob's life. And I think that's really where this sermon came from, because in the evening right now, we're just doing a lot of one-off sermons. We're not in the middle of a series or anything. And uh, I think, at least for me, one-off sermons are the worst. I hate having to do one-off one off sermons. I like being in series and stuff uh, better, but, uh, so I thought, well, let's look at the, let's look at Jacob trying to like nail down a passage, uh, something that I was interested in because I thought it was just different and odd was in Genesis 32 when Jacob wrestles God, he wrestles this, this man. And it's just so, it's just so odd. And I guess we can get to it, but, uh, the way he ended up approaching it is just going really from Jacob's life, from his birth, all the way to that point to look to look at him, and I did use. Uh, we should plug uh, Spencer. What's the name of that? What's the name of that book? I didn't use the book, but I limping used with God, limping with God by Chad Bird, who's going to be our speaker at our men's conference coming up. When's the men's conference? March in March, uh, and so we're looking forward to that. But he has a book on Jacob called Limping with God. Limping comes from where he wrestles there, and he he's caused to limp uh, after that. Uh, but I, I didn't have the book with me, so uh, Spencer had sent me, um, it sounded like a conference or something. It was a men's had, retreat. A men's retreat, yeah, that he had done, and he went through Jacob's life. And so I, I listened to that uh, some specifically for the section on the on the wrestling. Um, but it was good, I feel like, to step back uh, and look at all these chapters together and the life of a man. Again, I didn't look at his whole life because I stopped there after the wrestling. There, There's more with Jacob after. But... Um, just to get a glimpse of him, of Jacob. Who is he? What did he do? What kind of person was he? What kind of promises did God make to him? How did that tend to play out? And then just to try to learn something from from it. And I think that as we went through that uh, last night, because we do this on Monday, what we see about Jacob, honestly, is I don't know how good of a guy he was. What do you guys? I mean, what do you guys think as we just walked through that last night? I know you guys know about Jacob, because um, I was telling somebody after service when I think when I think about Jacob and Esau, I have always known Jacob was called deceiver, right? And I always knew these. He tricked his brother to sell his birthright. He tricked his dad. I knew that. I like I knew that stuff. Okay, but in my mind, in the story of Jacob and Esau, and I don't know why this is because I think it's wrong now when I think about it. Esau, in my mind, has always been a bad person. I don't know. What do you guys think? I know that I know we're talking about Jacob, not Esau. But for some reason, in my mind, Esau was like always the villain, the bad guy in the story. 
Well, and let's be honest, he is a bad guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is a picture of, um, as Hebrews talks about, you know, being sexually immoral and um, rejecting the things of God. But I think what the problem is, is when people hear that, they think that means the opposite of that means that Jacob's good. Yeah. And actually, the point of Romans 9 is Jacob and Esau are both both really bad people. And you're right, though. Sometimes it's not simply Esau sinning. It's Jacob sinning against Esau. Yeah. That also takes place. So it's I think in a sense it's like Esau is a... Yeah, because like when we when we learn about Esau right right off the bat, I mean he was born first, not right, his fault. He didn't right. do anything wrong there, right? Uh, the whole birthright thing, which I would need to study more, but I mean I could picture that with my brother. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're doing something, you're starving. Oh, you got some food? Let me have it. Well, fine. You need to give me a million dollars. Okay, give me the pizza. You know, I'm hungry. Whatever. I'm just starving in this moment. Like I can kind of relate to that. Yeah. And then the whole scene with going and killing me and getting the blessing. Esau didn't do anything wrong there. He did exactly what he was sure. told to do. He went out, right. but his brother went behind his back. Now, after that, when it was where where you really start to see Esau's sin is when um, when uh, they send Jacob away because they say you're not going to marry a Canaanite woman. It says Esau heard that and then specifically went and mm-hmm. married a Canaanite woman just to mm-hmm. to spite, mm-hmm. right? And so you do see the sinfulness of Esau. Well, he had already sure. married a Canaan, Canaanite yeah. woman. He Even goes more. and marries an Ishmaelite mm-hmm. woman. Right, more, yeah. Hoping, because remember, because Jacob's going to go marry one of his relatives. Mm-hmm. And so Esau might be thinking, well, I'll go marry one of these girls. Mm-hmm. Also, though, I think, and this is the thing about like chapter 25, whenever you go right after their birthright, mm-hmm. and then when Esau sells his birthright, on the one hand, um, this shows Jacob, Jacob's um, conniving. He's a horrible person. <laughs> and uh, instead of just serving his brother and caring for his brother whenever he comes in, he's hungry, he plays this little trick on him uh, and says, uh, sell me your birthright. And Esau does. On the other hand, this highlights something I do think about Esau, where Esau didn't realize what he was. Esau's usually pictured as a not very bright guy. And Esau here, it shows the lack of value he has for the birthright. Um, The fact that he's willing like, yeah, what's a birthright to me right now? Give me some of that. And I think Chad Bird, even in the, uh, that audio points out that, um, if you read the, the in the Hebrew of Esau, he's just basically saying, uh, "Give me some of that red stuff." Yeah. Like he doesn't even speak well. <laughs> he's just, saying, "Give me some of that red stuff there, just uh, so I can eat." Um, and so, on the one hand, you see Jacob might it, have been Mexican food. Maybe it was yeah. enchilada sauce or something. Yeah, give me some call it like aioli, <laughs> like <laughs> sauce or whatever it is. I aioli. had some aioli yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Garlic aioli, but aioli's yeah. like mayo. Yeah, there's something else like uh, some kind of sauce that makes mole. Mole. Yeah, that's yeah more chocolatey. Mole. That's okay. brown. All right. Sorry. I no. Yeah, no, you're good. So I just think, though, on the one hand, Esau comes across as really foolish and lacking in value of what the promises are. On the other hand, Jacob's a snake in the grass, <laughs> you know, and so he's just, he sees easy prey here yeah. when Esau comes along. Right, yeah. Um, so they both, they're both unflattering characters. Mm-hmm. Jacob is a horrible person. Um, although I think the one thing we can say out of all this bad stuff that Jacob does, the one thing we can say is he goes about it the horrible way and all he does, but he does value the promise. 
He does value the birthright, and he's willing to lie and scheme and do horrible things to get it. So we can say that much about him. But other than that, um, so like he's willing to deceive his brother to get the birthright, and then he's willing to deceive his father in order to get the blessing. Yeah, we're never told, you know, because uh, when uh, when Rebecca is pregnant and she's having complications, it seems like problems, right? Yeah. And it says that uh, the Lord told her it's because there's two nations in your womb. Yeah. Like you start to see the promise. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> My kids are texting me. I have to go pick them up from practice here in a minute. Tell Let them me to text run. Them tell them to run here. Yeah, run yeah, here. Just tell them to run. <laughs> Isn't that what practice is about? <laughs> Running. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wonder. I wonder how that went in the family. Like Rebecca heard that, and I don't know if if Isaac was there to hear that, but it was a it was a word from the Lord, so that's a big deal. Um, how did that play out with the kids later? Did the kids know this? You know, uh, because the whole birthright thing to me is interesting. I didn't do a lot of study on it uh, to learn more about it, which I guess I I would like to do. Um, but was Jake, Jacob probably wasn't doing that because of the promise God had made to his mother? I wouldn't think. I don't know, but I, again, I don't know how it went out. Could yeah. it, because then it almost comes across like I'm going to force this. Well, he, he, and he theoretically, his mom could have told him that, but it, it kind of ties into the uh, thing about you. You see the same thing in Abraham's life and Sarah's life. You're going to have a son one day. Okay, but the Lord's not doing it the way we want it. So we're going to get Hagar involved in here to try to bring about the promise our own way. That's what I mean, yeah. So he could have known about the promise. Yeah, I don't but know. But just saying, but he went but he goes about it in an unbelieving way. He doesn't let God do it. Right. He he tries to scheme and work and accomplish it. Um, that's the old Adam. The old Adam is always a schemer. The old Adam is always trying to fix stuff and accomplish things in his own strength. That's Jacob. Um, he's a cheater. Yeah. He's a schemer. Yeah. And that's what we that's what we see, don't we, as we read about him more, more and more, because he does it there with the birthright, then he does it uh, with with the blessing, and he's not alone in it because the other people who don't come across very good in all of this are the women. <laughs> And the women in yeah. this in mm-hmm. this story, right? His mother, um, and then uh, later his wives. When he gets when he gets married, which we haven't even we haven't even really got to yet. Uh, the whole scene is just a mess. The whole scene is just a disaster. I mean, you look at this family and you just think, "Oh my gosh!" You know, like you guys are just a mess from front to bottom. And again, this is why I like I like stepping back because when you step back from it, you're like, but. This is the family God chose. Yeah, <laughs> like He chose Abraham and Isaac. And right. In some ways, you're you're watching this, and you're like, if you watch all of Jacob's, all of Jacob's life into uh, even his age, uh, whenever he gets older, in some ways, it's like you you pointed out, it's like watching TLC or Tiger King. I mean, I was thinking Jerry Springer or Jerry Springer. I mean, he's got sister wives with two more women on top of that. And then later on in the land, his sons are going to go forth, trick people and then slaughter a whole city. I mean, this is stuff that this is stuff that's that's reality television stuff. And yet this is this is a Christian. This is a believer. Mm hmm. I mean, so, I mean, that's something that we really need to wrestle with. And there's also, this is a hard thing, too. There's also other gods involved. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Like, just nonchalantly thrown in there. Like, oh, yeah, as they were leaving, uh, his wife took one of Laban's gods. Right. And it's like, what? Right. <laughs> it just right. seems so... And so Jacob has to bury them, like, yeah. in chapter 35 or whatever. Yeah. They mm-hmm. get into the land. Guys, we need to put these in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had them for a while. Yeah. Then, yeah, just the whole uh, the whole scene. And so we, we see, too, I guess we can walk through his life a little bit more, right? So... Uh, he stole a birthright. Uh, he then steals the blessing by tricking his father with the help of his mother. He tricks his father to receive the blessing from his father. Uh, Esau comes back. He's angry. Obviously, he wants a blessing. He is given kind of a blessing, but also saying, but you're going to serve your your brother is what's going to happen, which is fulfilling the prophecy of what was given when uh, Rebecca was pregnant. Yeah, And then... And so then Jake, uh, Jacob is told to flee. His mom and dad have him flee. As he's running away from this situation of being a liar, a deceiver, uh, he has a dream. God gives him a dream and tells him the same promise that was given to Abraham and to Isaac. This land is your land. You are going to have offspring. This land is your land. <laughs> I know. Land. I thought about that this as I was saying. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he goes and he meets his uncle who... Seems to be a little deceiver as well, right? Yeah. I mean, that whole, I would really like to know how all that played out. Uncle Laban. I would like to know how all that played out. I mean, seven years of work. It seems like nothing it says to him. Nothing. Because oh. he loves her so much. Oh. Can't wait for Rachel. Just. <laughs> it's, and then you wake again, up. Again, it's like TV, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the Bachelorette or something. Yeah. I just, I, okay. <laughs> and then you marry a woman. Again, I don't, I don't. I don't know the tradition fully, yeah. but somehow he wakes up the next day next to someone and it's not the woman he thought it was. I don't know how all that goes. Give me a kiss, honey. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how all that went, but it's just right. crazy. It's just yeah. so crazy. There had to be a lot of bad stuff going on, no doubt. And then he goes another seven years, finally gets the woman that he wanted. Can you imagine that conversation when you, first of all, for, I mean, the the person who you feel horrible for is Leia, right? You're like, look at her. Um, here's a girl who's been put in a horrible situation. She's married. She's 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 nothing to her father because he's willing to throw her as a commercial product to his nephew. Jacob doesn't love her at all. Her sister doesn't like her, and yet you know what? The Lord says that's the one through whom the Messiah is going to come. Yeah, the I mean, unloved one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, can you imagine the conversation in the morning whenever Jacob wakes up and goes and knocks on Laban's door and says, hey. You um, gave me the ugly one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a problem. Why do I? <laughs> yeah. Just insane. I yeah. mean, just some crazy situations. And so I think what you want to think about is like when we think about our families, there are parts that we're embarrassed about, you know, and there's things that are just crazy and you learn that as you as you live life as a church family and you get to know each other you slowly it seems like but surely you start to know things about stuff and it's like i mean you can look at your fellow church member and say your family is nuts (laughs) you guys are wacky and but we all have that and we have that and we have that here with with the family of god who (laughs) was chosen by god uh just quite the quite the story and so anyways he finally gets rachel the whole scene in genesis 29 verse 31 all the way through chapter 30 verse 24 again 
when I'm reading that, I'm just you, Jerry Springer is right. I mean, I I don't know if a lot of kids listen to this and stuff, but just <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> I mean, what's hurt of you? I want to know what Jacob's life was like because here's what it seems like. It seems like Jacob comes home every day from whatever he was doing, and he's like, okay. Who am I sleeping with tonight? And they, the women decide. Uh, but it seemed like it was almost always Rachel. Right. Right? But at one point, Lee's like, I bought you today. I had picked, they had picked some mandrakes. She wanted the mandrakes. Fine. Then I get them. So it's like, I bought you today, so you're with me today. And, okay. And also, it's important. The mandrakes were regarded as an aphrodisiac. Oh, they were? Yeah. So this. that's why I think Rachel was saying, Hey, give me some of your sons because Reuben had picked them. Yeah, right. And Lee is like, "Yeah, you want these things, and, and as well as my husband." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Okay, then you can have him tonight, and I can have those," um, <laughs> because I think Mandrakes were regarded that way. So you could see again, they're trying to. The whole family is still trying to manipulate yeah. God's promise. Yeah, they're they're still trying to work, and I think this is important too because sometimes. Um, Whenever we come, we think about the Christian life, and there's, you know, we think about the church. There are people even in the church that think grace has limits. Mm-hmm. And so you think, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you, you won't ever do that. Or that would never happen. Or those kinds of people, where if you ever sin, even as a part of the church in this way, yeah, you, you're, you should be a second class citizen for the rest of your life. They, they're uncomfortable with the extremes of grace, of God's forgiveness. When you read Jacob's life, you realize the extremes of God's grace and promise and blessing. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't make it right. Jacob is disciplined for his sin, but he's never cast out. He is consistently blessed. That's why um, Chad Bird has that wonderful thing about whenever Jacob steals the blessing. You know, in our minds, we're thinking, well, of course, just take it back. He stole it. It's not really his. And Chad Bird points out, you can never be unblessed. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't, God will never remove the blessing from you if you're in Christ. And so uh, you see that here with Jacob. He does a lot of crazy things. His family does a lot of nuts stuff. And yet, and also it's the most despicable one who later on is going to become the one through whom Christ comes, Judah. Um, just continuing the family tradition. It kind of reminds me of that song. You know that song, Hank Williams song, Hank Williams Jr. No. Family it, tradition. Uh, Monday Night Football. Yeah, is no. that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, that guy. But he, he wrote another know. song called because uh, he's. It's like Hank. Oh Hank, yeah. Why do you about. drink? Why do you family, roll smoke? Yeah. Why do you live out the songs that you wrote? Yeah. And he says it's a family tradition. I live these things out because it's my family tradition. And similarly right. here, Jacob and his family just continue on the family tradition. Yeah, so Jacob ends up having 12 children eventually um, to where we get. 12 sons. Tw- yeah, 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 I'm sorry, 12 sons. Where we get, though, in the story, is there only, there's only 11. Uh, Benjamin comes later. Uh, but with four different, with four different women, because um, some servants were involved in that. And I didn't mention this last night, but these are the 12 tribes of Judah of Israel. They <clears throat> came from bad God's bad, people. Yeah, God's people. <laughs> I mean, they don't all the same mommy. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> a lot of. It's just so funny. Like when you watch children's cartoons, like the last, there's one in particular that Nolan and Thomas like to watch. You watch those cartoons and 
It doesn't show that. <laughs> it only shows one mom. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't show like. Oh, really? Who are the. Yeah. Oh, and like these cartoons about this? Yeah. It oh, really? Shows like, it shows 11 brothers. Uh huh. And there's a woman and there's Jacob. <laughs> it doesn't show any other women. Whoops. At all. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. Who? It's like, mom, who are those girls? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're not old enough to watch Jerry Springer. Yet, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so anyway, so that's the mess of the life. Then you have a fight kind of, you know, between Jacob and Laban. Laban has been um, deceiving to Jacob this time, not just with his daughters, but also it says with his wages that he'd keep changing his wages um, and lying to him. They made a deal of separation. Laban even lied in that, went and hid certain goats and lambs and sheep, stuff like that. Uh, so in the end, Jacob ends up trying to flee away from, from Laban. He does this even undercover. He's trying to be non-confrontational, I guess. I don't know what it is, but he goes away. Laban ends up getting him. Laban actually wants to hurt him, but God had intervened again in Jacob's life and told Laban, don't. Don't say anything good or bad to him. I don't want you to say anything bad to him. And so Laban listens to God in that and doesn't and ends up, they end up departing well. They have some rules and set up a pillar and everything, but they they leave. Laban gets to say bye to his grandkids and to his daughters and they and they leave. Um, and then Jacob, as he is leaving, he know Esau is coming with 400 men, so there's fear here. And so now Jacob is scared. Okay, Esau's going to come and kill me now. He's still mad and angry, so he's sending stuff ahead, trying to appease his brother in some way. And that's when uh, we end up getting to Jacob wrestling wrestling God to where at night him and his family are going off away from everybody else. And this man comes to him, and they start to wrestle which is odd. I don't know what you guys think of that, but to me it just seems weird. I don't know if this was common back then, if men would just uh, lock arms and wrestle for a while. <laughs> but the, there's there's a lot of fascinating stuff, I think, in, in this story. One is, again, the man coming in there wrestling. The, the length of time that they wrestle. They wrestle all night. Uh, but then what is weird is... At some point, Jacob tells the man, I need you to bless me. And that only happens when you know somebody greater, when that, when you recognize it's somebody greater. It makes me think of uh, the Melchizedek uh, situation. Why would, why would there be an offering given to Melchizedek from Abraham? That doesn't make sense. Well, because he was seen as greater, right? Um, and Melchizedek a lot of times is seen as a God figure in Scripture there. Uh, and so that's what we have here is we have, it seems, God incarnate wrestling with Jacob. Uh, again, we don't know the discussion. I don't know. We don't know anything about it. We just have this here, uh, and there's things that we can learn from. But this is where then uh, you get the limping because he touches his hip causes Jacob to limp uh, and to limp the rest of his life. And uh, he does get the blessing. The he is, he is blessed, and his name is changed from Jacob to Israel here is when the name change happens. So his name is Godfighter. Godfighter, yeah. That's what Israel, <laughs> yeah, Israel is Godfighter. Um, and that's what he 
That's what he did right there. He fought with God, and God blessed him. And so I had mentioned a couple things that, that Chad Bird had said of this, of this strange uh, thing. Number one is we see that Jacob's name is changed, but yet, as opposed to what happens in other places in Scripture, when a name is changed, the new name is what is said. Uh, we don't have that here. We have Jacob still being called Jacob and sometimes called Israel. It seems to bounce back and forth. And uh, it's this idea of the old name and the new name, saint and sinner is what uh, Chad Bird had brought up. And just that struggle that we live with, knowing that we are a child of God, but yet oftentimes we still disobey, we still fall short. We still want to live by our old name, you know. And Jacob is recognized as that throughout the rest of his his life. You still have that, Jacob and Israel. And one reading that could get confused, because seriously, in the same paragraph, he's called Jacob and Israel multiple times. It just seems to flow uh, right through there. And so I thought that was an interesting observation uh, that he had pointed out. And so I thought it was worthy to be mentioned. Do you guys have anything on that at all? No? No? The other one is he said that this is like a keyhole look into the crucifixion because you have incarnate God here, fighting, fighting man, fought by man here. Man actually overcomes, right? Because it says uh, with Jacob, the man was trying to leave Jacob, but Jacob wouldn't let go, wouldn't let go of him. said, no, no, you have to bless me. Um and then man receives the blessing in the midst of this, and that's what we have in the crucifixion. We have the incarnate God who man takes, who man kills, who man triumphs over, and then in the end it is used actually for man to receive the blessing of salvation and redemption. Uh, and so we can peer forward to Christ uh, in this scene that we have here, um, which I thought was an interesting take that he said. Thought that was thought that was good. But anyways, the whole point of the message really was to, again, look at Jacob, look at his life, to step back and to just see how in such 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 a mess, God works and God moves and God's plan is done, God's plan is accomplished, and it's with messy people. It's not with perfect people. It's not even, it's not with good people. It's with bad people doing bad things, living a messy life, right? And really, just trying to survive. These people aren't like on mission they're not doing anything like that. They're just living life, trying to herd sheep and goats and eat and live. And it's these people that God has chose. And it's from this deceiver of a man, Jacob, that God chooses to call his people, Israel. Israel. He gives him that name. It's like, man, you should have picked somebody else. <laughs> no, this is who it is. And from him will be the 12 tribes. And that we know that the 12 tribes are talked about all throughout Scripture and the importance of them, and it comes from Jacob. And so we see God's great grace in this story just on full display. If God is going to use somebody like Jacob, we then understand, well, God mm-hmm. can use me. God can save me. God will love me, a, a sinner. Mm-hmm. And again, and that's not me looking at Jacob saying, well, Jacob's this bad. I'm not that bad. No, it's just understanding I'm bad. I'm a sinner. Yeah. I, this is what I deserve. But yet God... Um, loves me and cares for me and would uh, redeem me and call me his own. And that's what you see in the life of Jacob, I think, from a from a big perspective, mm-hmm. stepping back, which I think is helpful and useful for us. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's a huge encouragement to people who look at situations in their life and are at, at their wit's end and want to throw up their hands and say, where is God in any of this right now? What's going on? 
And <clears throat> this story is just a display of how God keeps his promises despite whatever you might do, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever might be going on. And so he is faithful, even when the people he has to work with are faithless. And that's that's a huge encouragement. Another thing that's important to be reminded of is, <clears throat> and Chad Bird brings this out in that audio again, is that after Genesis 32, when Jacob wrestles with the uh, the uh, the man, um, it doesn't change him. Like, he has a limp, but what does he do right after? He goes right back to trying to scheme. Yeah. He lies to his brother Esau mm-hmm. right after that and says, uh, Esau's like, hey, why don't you come and hang out with me? And Jacob's like, uh, we got these kids and the flocks. You go ahead and we'll meet you. And so like, it's like Esau heads south. And then as soon as Esau's gone, Jacob tells his family, all right, we're going north. <laughs> yeah. We're getting out of here. Yep. Then his, And then the worst for Jacob happens later on in life when Joseph, when it looks like to him, his, uh, well, his favorite son has been killed by wild animals. And then, so you see even, I think the, the worst pain is still for Jacob to come later on where he loses his wife. He, he has a son, who's, uh, Reuben, who sleeps with one of his co-wives. So there's incest going on, you know, all sorts of craziness going. I mean, think, it makes you think about whenever, is it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapters 5 or 6 where he says, Paul rebukes them and says, a man has his father's wife and you guys are indignant. You, know, you guys are arrogant. Remember, because there was that mm-hmm. sin going on? Well, that's exactly what was going on in Jacob's family with Jacob still living. And so all of this stuff is still going on, and yet God is able through it all to take care of them through Joseph, to use all of their evil for good purposes, to where at the end of the day, I love it whenever um, Jacob is before Pharaoh, and Jacob says, he says, uh, Pharaoh says, how long have you lived? And I think he says like 130 years old, um, but my days have been few and evil. And Jacob's lived a very hard life. And that's the life of a Christian. It's a hard life. It's a pilgrim's life. And then at the very end, though, of his life, whenever he blesses Joseph's sons, he blesses them in the name of God. But then he also says, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. And so despite all the evil, all the hardship, all the sin, all the suffering, all the sin and misery in this life that Jacob's experienced, he knows that God has bought him back from all that evil at the end of the day. And that's his whole hope. And uh, that's our hope. And that was Jacob's hope at the end of the day. He did grow in grace, but oftentimes for us too, we think growing in grace means it's a continual ascent of growing in spiritual strength and just consistent, just whatever maturity looks like to us. But actually God grows us oftentimes by bringing us down. And that's that's the reverse of what we would typically think Christian Christianity is. But God actually causes us to suffer and uh, and brings us into seeing, in many ways, our own depravity further so that we can see his grace even greater. And that's what Jacob did. Yeah, well, I'd encourage you to read more on Jacob, uh, to read... Then on Joseph, because we're hoping to do a series on Joseph sometime coming up in the near future, within the next year or so. Um, There's a lot that goes on with Joseph. Uh, But again, if you weren't here on Sunday night and you didn't get to hear the message, I don't think we record them, I don't believe, and post them, right? No. Uh, So again, you can can read it, read his life, use this as a supplement uh, to to learn from, but again, just seeing God's great grace 
uh, and that is there for us as well. And how he loves and cares for us sinners who are undeserved, uh, but he still loves us. And so we are thankful for that. Well, <clears throat> I hope that we see you this coming Sunday. We will be back 1030 service here at the church. Uh, we'll be in a psalm. I believe Psalm 7 is probably what we'll be doing uh, this coming week. So you can read ahead if you want and look at Psalm Psalm 7 together. And so we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. Uh, but until then, we hope that you have a, a great week. God bless.